All right, welcome to Peace of Mind Radio Podcast. I am Brian Ramsey. That is... Eric Douglas. And that is... <laughs> Did you forget my name? <laughs> no, I'm actually doing something a little different this time. Okay, trying to catch you guys off guard. Chris Vaughn. Okay. <laughs> Catching these guys off guard this morning. No, and, and in all fairness, this is Monday morning. We typically don't record on Monday morning, but... Uh, we uh, we are today because we did take a little bit of a break. We had vacations and it was right before school started, yeah. so we kind of had some folks out of the office. So that's why you probably have noticed that we got a little bit of delay in uh, in posting some of these podcasts, and that's because we've been out of the office quite a bit, spending time with family, which is important. Um, so we felt like we could take a little bit of a break to do that. So now we're back at it full throttle. As a matter of fact, we're going to think get four or five in today. So if you watch us over the next several weeks. Same, same attire, <laughs> same attire. Although Mr. Producer is going to be, I think, and uh, he's going to be in a couple of them. So, uh, so Aaron, but he's back, he's back there producing. Uh, Aaron will be in uh, some and of these. This We're is gonna... his first time producing, so if it gets jittery, yeah, it could. It, it, we could be turned upside down, sideways. You never know. But well, and you can tell it's Monday morning too, because all three of us have a cup yeah, of coffee. That's right. That's water, pretty rare. Yeah, coffee. that's right. Yeah, and it's not Bur- Burbers and Bergen. Burgers yes, and bourbon, it's, it's or we that, would have that either, yeah. or we would have a little something extra in there. Uh, anyway, so today's a today's a pretty cool topic. Uh, it is the importance of having a power of attorney. Uh, so we're going to talk about two different powers of attorney that you need, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, and sometimes depending on the attorney that we go to, I've seen them written as one. But most of the time, would you guys not agree that we see them written as separate? Yeah, documents? they're usually separate, and it's it allows for a little bit better language. Yeah, they're usually done together, but they're definitely two separate yeah. documents. Because yes. and, and we'll discuss this in more detail. But ultimately, that's probably not always going to be the the same person that you elect. Yeah, yes. yeah, and I'll I'll talk about my case yeah. uh, in particular. So, all right, so Eric, why don't you start off uh, by sort of just describing what a power of attorney for financial matters is all about, or of a financial power of attorney. Well, a financial power of attorney is just the, the person who's going to be able to make decisions on your behalf if for any reason you are incapacitated, whether that's due to sickness, injury, you know, it, it, whatever, you know, usually most times it's because of sickness or some kind of, you know, result of, I don't know, you go in for surgery or you're incapacitated for whatever reason. Uh, someone just has the ability to make decisions on your behalf regarding your finances, getting your bills paid, where money needs to go, um, you know, things like that. Yeah. Uh, so, Chris, why don't you talk about what is a healthcare power of attorney? Well, a healthcare power of attorney, um, it's exactly the same thing as what Eric was just describing, except it's to make healthcare decisions. Uh, frequently, the attorney will not call it a power of attorney, they'll call it a healthcare directive, but it's the same thing, it's just semantics. Yeah. Uh, but it's when you have an individual that is not capable of making decisions for themselves due to incapacitation, whatever. Uh, and the most common one that I've seen would be somebody is in the hospital and because of surgery or whatever, they're usually medicated. So they're just not capable of making decisions. Somebody can make medical decisions on their behalf and be approved to do it. That's what it is. Yeah. It's also worth noting, too, we also see this a lot with dementia, Alzheimer's patients, yeah. Yeah. things like oh, that. That, sure. that. That's where they become especially important. Yeah, so one of the things that I find when we talk about, especially when we have clients in or folks that don't have they may say they have a will, but they don't have a full set of documents. And when they come in, we talk about powers of attorney and how they work. And, and they're, they're really misunderstood because a lot of times people say, well, I have a power of attorney, and they translate that to after someone's passed away. Correct. Yeah. So a power of attorney, keep in mind, only really comes into play. And I'm going to talk, there's a distinction that I'm going to make in just a minute, but really comes into play when you become, at the point you become incapacitated, 
to the point to when you pass away. When you pass away, the power of attorney goes away. It just sort of dies with you. Um, but a power of attorney, when it comes into play, is really dependent on how the power of attorney uh, authority is written, right? So you could have, for example, uh, I, okay, as an example, I'm not married, okay? So Kelly, who you guys know and yeah. met, right, my girlfriend, if we had a power of attorney, I wouldn't necessarily give her the right to have durable powers today, meaning she couldn't just right. go act on my behalf, but I might give her springing power. So in the event that I do become incapacitated, then she could step in and play that role. So there's right? an interesting one because we talk about durable and springing a lot. Explain what would cause it to spring into, into force. Well, you have to have medical advisors state that you are incapacitated, yeah. right? You have to have a, di a letter from a physician stating that you are incapacitated, that's when they would go down uh, to the court or uh, and be appointed power of attorney, mm -hmm. okay? But you can have what they call durable rights, and that's for you two. You two are both married. I'm, I'm assuming happily married, but anyway, you're, you're <laughs> married. Um, no, they are because I've met their wives and all that. Uh, how, they put, how the wives put up with them, I don't know, but that's a whole different story. Um, it's a different podcast. We, that's we, next we, week. We, we don't know either, to be clear. <laughs> well, that's next week's conversation, by the way. Uh, but no, so uh, durable rights mean that you have the right uh, regardless of incapacitation. Yeah. So as a married couple, uh, you have that uh, understood durable power of attorney, which means you can sign on each other's behalf. Right. Uh, and that you can go make financial decisions or healthcare decisions for each other without actually having a document. Uh, but if you're, and, and by the way, tune in next week because we're going to be talking about unmarried couples um, and same-sex couples because this, this is what came up a couple of weeks ago. Eric and I are working with a client right now that this is the case, right? Not married, living together. And so they don't have that durable right, which they thought they did. Remember, and we talked to him. We said, "No, oh, yeah. you don't. Have, you don't have those rights." That's right. And so uh, we had to get their documents in order to maintain that. So, um, so anyway, that's uh, that's how a power of attorney. Well, and I'll say this: there's also lots of um, different powers of attorney. So, for example, uh, my father and I, we have real estate together. We sold a piece of property in Lexington. I didn't want to go to the closing because it made no sense for me to drive over there. And so my father had basically a one-time power of attorney that you can set up that I gave him the right to sign on my sign behalf. So there, there are several versions of a power of attorney. But what we're really talking about today is, you know, what the power of attorney that you need in your set of documents to take care of you if you become incapacitated. That's really what we're talking about. Yep. Okay. All right. So um, let's talk about um, the importance of a power of attorney when you're a younger person. Right, because we all know most younger people go, why do I? Why in the world do I need a power of attorney? I'm Superman. Well, they're nothing invincible. Yeah. To me. yeah, not anything going to happen to me. Why? Why is it important for a younger person? And now I say younger person. Uh, we'll say younger person, not married, no kids. Why is it important for that person to have power of attorney, financial and healthcare? Either one of you two. Eric, you want to start with the financial one? Um, well, I mean, you're, you inevitably will probably have some amount of money that you've accumulated over your lifetime up to that point. So let's say you're a 35, 40 year old individual, single. Um, you probably don't have, if you don't have any kids, then you know you don't have a lot of the responsibility or bills that come along with kids. So it's a pretty easy way to accumulate a pretty decent amount of, of change in your life. 
it's got to go somewhere. And if you don't have it written down, it's going to follow, you know, what you don't want to have happen is someone making decisions on your behalf or not knowing who to go to in order to have decisions made on your behalf. And then things are falling behind while you're incapacitated. Let's say you get in a car wreck, you're incapacitated for a couple months um, and, and think bills aren't getting paid, things are falling behind. Um, the decisions, life, life has to continue in some way, shape, or form yep. while you're incapacitated. Decisions need to continue to be made, and someone needs to have access to your accounts in order to be able to handle those affairs while you're unable to do it yourself. Yeah. Yep. So uh, talk about healthcare because that's where, because there was a scenario we ran into, it's been probably, I don't know, 10, 11 years ago, where uh, a couple that was a client of ours, their son was in college and got involved in a very serious accident and was basically in the hospital, totally incapacitated. They basically put him in a self-induced coma. Yeah. Uh, he was in there for, I don't know, several weeks, but talk about why it's important to have well, those rights. Okay, this is where people start getting into trouble. It's on the healthcare part. They say, but I have a living will. Right. A living will is, okay, you are unlikely to survive and you, are, you need uh, some form of mechanical treatment to keep yourself alive, keep yourself fed, breathing, all those things. That's what a living's will is for also organ donation. The health care power of attorney, which can be included in the same document as the living will, is where you've got somebody that can make decisions for you. Okay, so you've had that car accident. You're in a medically induced coma. Uh, the doctor comes up with an idea and says, hey, there's an experimental treatment mm -hmm. that we'd right. like to try. You can't authorize that. You're in a coma. And if there's nobody who has that power of attorney, or attorney in fact is the name of the person, um, there's nobody that can make that decision. They can't try it. If you've got that in place, then you've given that, that authority to somebody to make that decision. For well, you. the living will is kind of like the set of instructions. Yeah. The, the healthcare power of attorney, the POA, is kind of that person who takes those instructions and that. implements them. There yeah. you go, correct. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, great way to put it. Okay, so let's talk about elderly. We, we get this quite a bit where you get an elderly person, okay? It could be, and we'll say couples too, but typically what we find is that, uh, you know, you have an elderly person that comes in and maybe they've lost a spouse and now they're, you know, live here. Their kids are sort of spread out everywhere. Maybe they have one kid here, another kid lives in... Texas, another kid lives in Massachusetts, whatever the case, and or maybe they don't have any children that lives here. Why is it important for them to have powers of attorney, health care and financial? And you guys don't have to do the exact same one. But just generally speaking, why is it important for an elderly person to uh, to, to have those documents? Well, I, you know, elderly people, especially when you start talking about widows and widowers, um, elderly people are just uh, a little bit overwhelmed with some of the decisions that they need to, need to make. Sometimes they're not, um, they're not capable of making those decisions anymore. Uh, when you're dealing with somebody who is a widow or widower or is about to be one because of the kind of decisions that are coming up. And if you've ever lost a parent and watched the other parent, what they were having to deal with, you know what I'm talking about. Um, uh, it, it allows that decision to be made by somebody who is not effectively under duress, right? If, if, if you're in a hospital and you're watching somebody you've been married to for 40, 50, 60 years pass away, you are not in your right mind, in my opinion. You know, you're, you're under duress. So it gives that, that kid who lives elsewhere who's coming in for this the ability to take over. And you can actually structure who the attorney, in fact, is in a specific order, you can have contingents that take over if somebody is not capable or willing. Yep. Yeah, for yeah, for sure. And I would say the one thing about elderly is 
Um, what we often find is that even because we had a couple, this is what kind of brought it up. We had a couple that um, husband had passed away, mom was around, but mom had never done anything yeah. with the financials, had never done anything. That's true. Right? We literally, this just happened not too long ago. Um, she has no idea. She knew, I mean, I, I think she knew where they banked, but probably not. And so, you know, she was, she's 91, I believe. Uh, he was 93. So great long life. I mean, both of them and just fantastic couple. But, um, but what, we, what we wound up doing was naming their daughter as power of attorney. So we got everything situated because she had never, she had never written a check. She didn't, she didn't do anything. And so that, that sometimes can be the case where one spouse sort of is the financier of the family, passes away, and all of a sudden you have somebody that's never done anything with it all of a sudden they're like, hey, and I'm a little older anyway, and I'm, you know, maybe a little step and they short. Don't want to learn new tricks. Well, I've, I've got a couple yeah. almost exact same situation yeah. that I'm working with. They're, they're an older couple. The, the husband actually has dementia. Yeah. Um, and, and, of course, that's always a, a horrible, horrible thing to watch happen. But the wife has never been in charge of any of the finances yep. and doesn't really even have a true grasp of really how, how much money they're worth and where, right. where, everything, where, where, where everything's scattered. Um, so they, they have a POA to come in and make those decisions and keep the, the books and, and, you know, take care of the balance sheets and, and do all those different things. So Yeah. And so I'll give you one more quick example, and then Eric's going to talk about something that's very uh, fairly new, I would say, uh, in the planning world. Yeah. We haven't been dealing with this that long, but it came from a case uh, from – it came from an Apple case, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. how this litigation came about that brought on what we're getting ready to talk about, what Eric's going to talk about. But I'm going to give you another example. So uh, this is a very recent situation uh, that I started talking about, I think, this morning, and you guys were mm-hmm. like, oh, my gosh. But um, So we, had, we have an elderly – I have a client who has a friend who's elderly and has potentially onset dementia – but is also visually impaired, not blind, just can't, just even glasses can't really see that well. So I guess he would technically be legally blind, but he can still see. But anyway, lives by himself, uh, never been married, no kids. And so what we found out was, and this happens a lot, is that you have what we call elder abuse, meaning, and it's not physical abuse on his part, it's financial abuse on his part. So we have other outside influences, be it neighbors and other people that claim to be an advisor, are taking care are taking advantage of this person uh, financially. And so we think there's some in, improprieties going on, and we know that there has been some in the past. And so now we're having to go back and uh, have uh, my client appointed as power of attorney. The issue with him is we're not so sure he's of right side or of right mind. And so we literally are having to go, we hired an attorney to go to court to petition the court to have them named as power of attorney. And it's almost like a guardianship in a way uh, for this person. So anyway, that, that's another issue when you have an older person that can be vulnerable to, you know, uh, to fraud on their part or being taken advantage of or elder abuse or whatever you want to call it, uh, it can be an issue. And so that's why you have powers of attorney that are able to stand in uh, and, and basically take over and make sure that uh, all the abuse stops, really what it is. So uh, so anyway, there, there's lots of different scenarios. We can go on and on about the importance of a power of attorney. I will say one other quick thing before Eric talks about the last piece we're going to talk about, and that is if you've not had your power of attorney updated in the last two or three years, you need to get it updated. There was a provision in the Kentucky State statute that 
a lot of banks were denying powers of attorney, uh, especially they were more than five years old. And so they would just deny them. And so uh, I forgot who it was, basically in the Kentucky state statute now that forces banks to take your power of attorney no matter what. They can't deny them. And so, uh, so if you not had it done, just go do it. There's a provision in there that says the banks can't deny it now and, uh, and that everybody has to basically accept a power of attorney, especially if it's done the right way. You can't handwrite it, you know, and give it to somebody and go, hey, that works. That, 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 nope. No, that's not going to work. It has to be professionally done. Uh, but anyway, uh, so that's it. So if you not have it updated in the last couple of years, just get that done. It's super quick and easy. There's a million different ways you can do it. There's online software. There's going to an attorney. Uh, there's just a bunch of ways to get it done. So it just makes sense to get done. Well, it's also worth noting, too, and I alluded to this earlier, when you're doing your, your financial and your healthcare POA, they, they don't have to be the same person. And in most cases, yeah. they probably should not be the same person. I, I see, I would agree. I, if you have two different people that you trust, put yeah. that put that pressure on two different people. Yeah, because that is a lot of, well, that's a lot of responsibility yeah. for one person to take on. But also, it sometimes requires a little bit of a different mindset to make those separate types of decisions. So if you have someone that you know is maybe a little more logical or rational, maybe they should be your financial POA. If you have someone who's a little bit more emotional, <laughs> um, then, then maybe they need to be your healthcare POA or, or have it the other way. If, if you have you know, a set of instructions that you, know, you have in your living will that you want to be followed, maybe that rational person needs to be your healthcare POA because you don't want somebody who's going to try to hold on for too long. Um, you know, just in the name of maybe them just wanting to not lose you sooner than they have to. Yeah. So, well, and it's it frequently will, people will put an adult child down as they'll be the POA for finance, they'll be the POA for yeah. for healthcare, and they'll also be the executor on the will. So, you know, you go through a traumatic situation, and then mom and or dad pass away, and now that child has to execute a will, and it is it is overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And it can really, uh, it can really mess up families from having to deal with all this. So, separating those powers can be and a it, really good idea. And if you don't have these documents set up ahead of time, oh, then you're definitely ensuring that your kids are going to have to manage all of this. Yep. Yeah, um, that's when true. You're gone. So, and, and the one thing that you alluded yep. to as well that I was going to add on on the financial side, um, you know, we we live in we live now in obviously a much more uh, online world. I, you know, more often than not, you're more likely going to have a Facebook account, you know, uh, Twitter, Instagram, whatever other social media apps are out there. We all have passwords for literally everything, right, between your bank and anything else that you want to do online. Yep. So really what you're seeing a lot more often than not, and most attorneys are already defaulting to this, but you want to make sure yeah. that this is included whenever you go to have any type of, um, you know, POA work or, or, or wills established in your name, you want to make sure that you're adding something called the digital asset authorization, um, allowing someone basically control of your digital assets, i.e. your social media accounts, somewhere, you know, that intellectual property, intellectual property anything online that can be accessed in your name after you're gone. Um, you want to make sure that someone has the ability to access that and, and basically close those accounts or do whatever needs to be done uh, at your request uh, when you're no longer able to do it yourself. Yeah, I think this was, uh, if you guys can remember, several years ago, and I, I, I tried to do a little quick search and I couldn't find it, but there was a case out, I believe it was in California, of parents whose uh, child had passed away that had Facebook account or whatever, and they basically tried to go in and shut it down or get access to it. Because uh, they wanted to read some things on there or whatever. And basically they were like, no, you don't have access to it. So they sued. And I'm not sure whatever came of it. But it just seemed like that 
kind of was national news. It was a flash in the pan, really. But it, but what happened was is we started to see those digital asset authorizations right after that. So I'm assuming it was a number of those things, but that just happened to be one that was very public. Well, I mean, I've even seen personally some friends that have passed away. And yep. then, you know, you, you see six months to a year later, the accounts get hacked all the time, right? We see it all the time. Oh, yeah. Accounts get hacked, and then you see a new friend request pop up. Yeah from someone who's unfortunately passed away, and that's always something, it's just, it's never a pleasant experience. And you can say all day, well, but it's social media. If it gets hacked, it's not a big deal. Who knows what they might be able to do with it? it wouldn't it be better to be able to actually handle it the way that you wanted it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's true. And, and, and by the way, that, um, that can be handled as a separate document or as uh, a paragraph inside of your power of attorney. Yeah, I've so, seen it both ways. Yeah, I've, yeah, seen, I've yeah. seen it both ways. So, all right. Well, anyway, so that's uh, that's this week. Uh, again, just if you don't have it, get it. And if you haven't had it updated, just get your power of attorney updated. Uh, so next week, we're going to be talking about, I believe, uh, the uh, unmarried couples and how estate plan works with unmarried couples, right? Because we just had a case uh, this country, actually a couple of them. Uh, so we're going to be talking about how that works and some things to be thinking about. So make sure you tune into next week. And um, let's see, we have two other podcasts. One is on a little bit of a hiatus connecting the Commonwealth, which that'll get ramped back up at some point. We're looking for people to be on that. Actually. Yeah, that's uh, that is for entrepreneurs, small business people. If you are interested in that, uh, give us a call. Yeah. Uh, lots of a couple other reasons why we haven't been really running it right now, but we also do burgers and bourbon, which come out every other week. Uh, so make sure you tune in for that, and then I'll let Eric sign us off and, for the and week. Mr. Producer, if you'll put the uh, the phone number in the oh the yeah, email up there. forgot about that too. Yes, please. Sorry for you podcast listeners that my we didn't put our phone number. Producing, I forgot to, uh, yeah. oh, to put yeah. that up myself. So yeah, but if you are listening, we appreciate it. Thank you for for taking the time to 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 listen to what we have to say and hear us ramble on. Uh, if you have a moment, if you could please take a minute, if you're watching us on YouTube, to hit that red button and make sure you subscribe to our channel so you'll be notified as soon as we launch any new content out there. Uh, find us on Apple Podcasts. If you can leave us uh, a review, we would greatly appreciate it. That certainly helps us grow the podcast. And, uh, yeah, we appreciate you being here with us, and see you next time. Have a good week. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing businesses, independent financial partners, IFP, IFP Securities, doing business as IFP, and its advisors believed to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. This is for informational purposes only, and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors. This report may not be reproduced, distributed, or published by any person for any purpose without IFP's express prior written consent. Securities offered through IFP Securities, LLC, doing business as independent financial partners, IFP, member of FINRA and SIPC, investment advice offered through IFP Advisors, doing business as IFP, a registered investment advisor. IFP and Family Wealth Planning Partners are not affiliated. The information given herein is taken from sources that IFP Advisors, LLC, doing business as IFP, IFP Securities LLC doing business as IFP and its advisors believe to be reliable, but it is not guaranteed by us as to accuracy or completeness. 
This is for informational purposes only and in no event should be construed as an offer to sell or solicitation of an offer to buy any securities or products. Please consult your tax and or legal advisor before implementing any tax and or legal related strategies mentioned in this publication as IFP does not provide tax and or legal advice. Opinions expressed are subject to change without notice and do not take into account the particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs of individual investors.